as has been mentioned, our theme this year is living an abundant life. Not everyone, of course, is moving that direction, but some at Northside are moving that direction. Uh, Lives and families are going to be different as we discover more and more about living an abundant life. Uh, Because Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Yes, it's about eternal life. He came for that purpose, of course. But the God of all joy does not intend us to mope through life. He intends for us to live an abundant life. We've looked at the fact uh, that if a farmer wants to raise an abundant harvest, it's not a secret what he has to do. Uh, We in Kansas understand that. He has to clear the field of the bugs and the weeds that cause problems. He has to plant the right seed, fertilize properly, and then he'll realize the harvest. Well, our plan to get an abundant life is basically the same. If we want an abundant life, uh, we start by clearing the fields. So that's what we're working on right now. Uh, Not weeds and not bugs, but worse things. Uh, Sin and guilt and worry and noxious things that choke out the abundant life. Things that are sown by the thief, by the destroyer, by the one who wants to kill and steal and destroy the abundant life. Last week we talked about getting sin out of the field. And I talked about pulling it up by the roots, uh, drowning it in Roundup, uh, hacking it to pieces, however you want to say it. Uh, get rid of sin. It's got to come out of our lives. And we talked about the fact that, yes, we are sinners and there's sin in our life and all that. But we're talking about uh, habitual, undealt with, uh, recurrent, willful sin. Sin that is undealt with. Sin that's just covered up, sin that's repressed, will come back just like the Amalekites did. The Amalekites just kept coming back and harassing the Israelites. They impoverished them. Uh, they, They lived in fear of them at all times. And that's why Samuel, old prophet Samuel, finally hacked King Agag to death. He said, we got to get rid of this problem. Today, let's consider another life stealing problem. Worry is a life-stealing problem, an abundant life-stealing problem. Now, remember, what we're trying to do is clear out things that choke out the abundant life. Now, this one really chokes out the abundant life. I would say this one really worries me, but I know the rest of the sermon. Uh, this is a problem. This is a big problem in some people's lives. Uh, Worry doesn't seem like it ought to be such a problem. I mean, why would I pick that one second after sin? I mean, sin's a biggie. We all agree on that. Uh, Why would I pick worry after that? Well, don't worry about it. Uh, We'll see uh, real soon why I picked that. I think you'll understand in just a little while. But let's make sure we know what worry is before we start talking about it, before we start trying to clear the field of it. First of all, when I say worry, I don't mean appropriate concern. I don't mean compassion kind of thing. There are things in life that are bad. When bad things happen to us or ones we love or ones we know about, uh, we sympathize with them. We empathize with them if we're able. Uh, We have a certain degree of compassion. It's on our minds. We think about it. 
We can't just put it completely out of our minds. And you know the difference between worry and appropriate concern and compassion. Uh, not worrying also doesn't mean denying reality. Uh, some people just deny reality and say, well, I'm not going to worry about it. I read about the young woman who brought her fiancé home uh, to meet the parents. And after dinner, the mother said to the father, well, you better find out about this young man. So he took him into the study and sat down and started asking questions like all good fathers do. He said, uh, so what are your plans? The young man said, well, I am a biblical scholar. He said, biblical scholar? That's admirable. Uh, but how are you going to provide a nice house for my daughter? Well, sir, uh, I will study, and God will provide. Okay. Uh, how, how do you plan to buy her an engagement ring like I think she deserves? Well, I will concentrate on my studies, and God will provide. Well, how, how are you going to support children? Well, don't worry, sir. Uh, God will provide. And the conversation went on and on like this through all of the father's questions. And finally, they sent the young man home and the father went back in the kitchen. And the wife said, well, honey, how'd it go? What do you think? And he said, well, he has no job. He has no plans. And I'm pretty sure he thinks I'm God. So when I say don't worry, uh, that doesn't mean deny reality. Uh, that doesn't mean uh, not to take care of things that you ought to take care of things. If you can't breathe very well and your heart's not beating very well, uh, if you say, well, I'm not going to go to the doctor, I'm not going to worry about that, uh, that's just foolishness. Uh, that's not not worrying, that's foolishness. I read about one fellow that told his friend, he said, I've got so many problems. He said, I've got a mountain of credit card debt. He said, I've lost my job, they're, they're repossessing my house, they're repossessing the car, uh, but I'm not worried about it. The guy said, you're not worried about it? He said, how are you managing that? He said, well, he said, I hired a professional worrier. Hired a guy that worries for me. He said, really? Yeah, he does all my worrying for me, I don't have to think about any of it. The guy said, that's amazing. I don't even know there was such a thing as professional worry. How much does he charge? The guy said, oh, 50000 a year. He said, 50000 a year? Where are you going to get that kind of money? He said, I don't know. That's his worry. <laughs> you know what worry is, don't you? We really know what it is. We can see it in other people's lives, maybe better than ours, but we know what it is. Let me caution you on one more thing as we talk about what worry is. I wouldn't say that everybody's life is supposed to be worry-free. Even Christians, because of what we talked about last week, there is such a thing as sin-caused worry. If there's sin in your life, undealt with, then, yeah, you probably will worry about that. If you've got warrants out for your arrest, you need to worry. There's a problem. If you're doing something in your life, and you are worried that your boss or your spouse or the police will catch you doing it, then worry. you got to get the sin out first. Now go back to lesson one about getting the sin out of your life, and then you'll start to figure out how to have a, a worry-free life. But 
Sin does cause worry, and that's okay. It's supposed to upset our conscience. It's supposed to cause problems in our life. So what does worry really mean? The Greek word, kind of interesting, the Greek word means to be pulled in different directions. Pulled in different directions. That's the root problem of why God says don't worry. Because worry pulls us away. It keeps us from doing what we ought to do. Worry wastes time. Worry wastes energy. It distracts us from the good. I checked to see what C.S. Lewis said about worry. It was interesting. I found a quote in the Screwtape Letters, which is a book he wrote about the senior devil named Screwtape writing letters to the junior devil named Wormwood and teaching him how to deal with humans, how to keep them away from the enemy, the enemy's God. Listen to what he said, Screwtape said to Wormwood. He said, there is nothing like anxiety for barricading a human's mind against the enemy. Nothing like anxiety for barricading a human's mind against the enemy, who's God. He, God, wants men to be concerned with what they do. Our job is to keep them thinking about what will happen to them. God just wants us to deal with today. Remember the verse we just read? Don't worry about tomorrow. Deal with today. And the devils and Satan and the thief want to draw us away, want to pull us different directions, want us to make us worry about what might happen, what could happen, what will happen. That's what worry is. It's a distraction from what we ought to be doing. If you need a stress seminar, let's read from Matthew chapter 6. Brother Rob just read it for us, but let's just go through and catch a few verses of it. Verse 25, he said, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now, the word life there means temporal things, means earthly things. And that's why he goes right into talking about food and clothes and all of that kind of thing. Don't worry about this earthly business that we have here. And his example or his illustration or his teaching is, look at the birds. Look at the birds. The birds don't work about it. They they don't worry about things. And some people sit there and say, whoa, okay, I got that lesson. That's for me. I'll go sit in a tree and open my mouth and let God take care of me. No, God God provides the worms, but he doesn't throw them down their throats. You ever hear about the early bird? Guess what that is? That's work. (laughs) God expects us to work, but he will provide everything we need. Birds, if you take his illustration and just keep going with it, it gets wiser and wiser. Birds don't read books on how to relax. They don't worry about that kind of thing. Birds don't sit around and and think, well, maybe next year I can expand the nest. Yeah, we, we really need a patio. Maybe we can get that next year. Maybe I need to buy me a bigger refrigerator so I can store more and more worms. Not the way worms operate, is it? Birds don't deal that way. They just take care of today. Birds don't get fat either until you put them in a cage. As long as they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, they don't have any problem. Birds trust God, if you can 
say it that way. Well, that's his picture anyway. Jesus says, you ought to be as smart as a bird. Don't worry about what you eat and all that. God takes care of them. Jesus is saying, he's really saying, do you know who holds tomorrow? And do you know who holds your hand? Then don't worry about these things. And he's not talking specifically about food and clothes. That's a representative of anything for us. Don't worry. Verse 27, look, he says, who by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Your translation may say cubit, and some people teach that. That means you can't make yourself any taller. That doesn't matter how you read it. Cubit really means a span of life. So he's really saying, you can worry all day and you won't add a minute to your life. An hour, in fact, you'll take some off, really. But you sure can't add anything to it. Worry doesn't fix things. Worry doesn't help anything, he's saying. Verse 28 says, why do you worry about clothes? Now, this is not a sermon on materialism, so we won't go there. But I'm not saying we worry about clothes. We may be overly concerned about clothes. If you don't think you're overly concerned about clothes, compare the size of your closet to the size of your grandparents' closet. Just think about that for a while. We've got lots of clothes. And Jesus was talking to people who maybe had two pieces of clothing. Remember what he said? He said, if you have two cloaks and you meet somebody that doesn't have one, give them one of yours. He didn't even mention the possibility that you got three. You know, I mean, this is the kind of people he's talking to. Their daily bread and their daily clothing was pretty thin compared to what we've got. Mother Teresa supposedly told her nuns that worked for her, said, you get three dresses. One to wear, one to wash, and one to mend. That's a wardrobe. And it's perfectly adequate. Jesus said, why do you worry about clothes? Verse 31, he says, so don't worry about these things because that's like the pagans do. The pagans worry about stuff like that. They chase after that, those kind of things. What's he saying? He says there is a difference between folks who know God and folks who don't know God. If you know God, you shouldn't worry about things like the pagans do. Verse 34, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow is what gets us in trouble. Read some of those quotes I put over there on your handout. Uh, Interest is our worry is the interest we pay for borrowing from tomorrow's troubles, one man said. Tomorrow is when we start thinking about that, worrying about that. That's what gets us in trouble. I read a study one time that said, studied a group of men and their health outcomes and all that. Anyhow, it was interesting to me that two and a half times as many men die of sudden heart attacks on Monday as they do on Friday. Now, why is that? It doesn't have anything to do with the calendar. It's got to do with what you're thinking about on Monday and Friday. On Monday, you got five days of things piled up in front of you. All of that piles up and people worry about it and think about it and stress about it and it kills them. On Friday, you're looking forward to some time off. You're not piling up all those things that are in tomorrow. You go on a large ship, a cruise ship, or any kind of a great boat. Go up and ask the captain in his control center what he does to keep the ship safe. 
how he can save it if you hit an iceberg or something. And he'll show you some buttons that will compartmentalize the ship. He says, if we take a hit somewhere, I'll hit these buttons and immediately steel doors will drop down and seal tight. They will compartmentalize the boat where the part that's leaking will be the only part that gets wet. Seal it tight. Jesus says in verse 34, drop the steel doors. Drop the steel doors. Drop one on this side and don't worry about the past. Past is gone. It's forgotten. It's forgiven. Don't worry about it. And drop another steel door on the other side and and don't worry about the future. One good reason not to worry about tomorrow is like one fellow said, most of the bad things in my life never happened. You'd make a list of all the things you worry about, see how many of them really come true. You'll find out you spent a whole lot of time worrying about things that are never going to happen. So just drop that steel door, compartmentalize your life. That's exactly what Jesus says. He says, you let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. You just take care of today. You live now. Look at what Jesus has said in this passage. I don't care what translation you have. Uh, Do not worry. Do not be anxious. Take no thought. You understand who's saying that? Uh, That was all said by the architect of the human body and the human soul. He made us and he left us an owner's manual. He said, here's how you take care of it. And a big part of his advice in the stress seminar is do not worry. So, what's wrong with worry? A lot of things wrong with worry. Let me tell you just a few. First of all, and worst of all, worry is sin. Some of you are worried about that. In fact, I tried to get around saying that. I really did. I thought, I don't know if I'll say that or not. You know, there's people, good folks, that they've just been trained that way somehow. They worry about things all the time. And if I tell them it's sin, they're liable to worry about it more. So maybe I can avoid saying that somehow. But I finally concluded that you folks with a Ph.D. in worry need to hear this. Worry is sin. Some of you are looking at me, ah, now just a minute. You sure it's sin? I'm not sure it's sin. Jesus is sure it's sin. Didn't he just tell us? Didn't he just command us not to do it? Our Lord says don't do it, and you do it, guess what? You're disobeying. Well, yes, he said it. But, well, is it really sin? Look at verse 30. What did he call people who worry? You of little faith. What's Hebrews 11.6 say? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. You see, that's the problem with worry. It's sin. It's the opposite of faith. Worry is fear, not faith. And where's fear come from? Fear fear is Satan's business. That's his trademark. That's what he hands out. That's what he deals in. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. That's not where we get fear. We get fear from Satan. Remember what the senior devil said. Anxiety is a great tool. 
Oh, anxiety gets them off track. Anxiety makes them afraid about what's going to happen to them. Worry is fear, not faith. You tell me what a child of God has to fear, and then I might consider that worry is not sin. But I can't think of anything a child of God has to fear. Make your list of everything and see why you got to fear it. Just see what God said about it. You want to fear the past? God says the past is forgotten and forgiven. You want to fear the present? God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You want to fear death? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. I have come that you might have eternal life. You want to fear poverty? He says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or the righteous begging bread. I will open the floodgates of heaven. I will pour into your lap, heaped up, pressed down, running over. I want to bless you. You want to fear your enemies? God said, I will make your enemies to be at peace with you. Did you get that? I will make your enemies to be at peace with you. He said, they will come at you from one direction. They will scatter in seven directions. He said, I will drown Pharaoh at your feet. Because I am God and there's none like me. He said, my angels will go before you and behind you. A thousand may fall at your left hand and 10,000 at your right hand, but they will not come nigh your dwelling because I am God. Do you understand who we're dealing with? And when we doubt him, when we fear, when we worry, we are calling God a liar. There is not one person in here, I challenge you, is there any person in here who can raise their hand and say to me this morning, God has failed me. Nobody in here can say that. Let me ask you something. If God has never failed, if God cannot fail, if he says he will not fail, then why do you walk around acting like you believe he's going to fail you? I can't call it anything but sin. Worry sin. It's the opposite of faith. Beyond that, look what it does to our life. He wants us to have an abundant life. And there's no place that worry is more evident than in our physical health. Death was supposedly walking toward a town one day. Man encountered death, recognized him, asked him what he was doing. Death said, I'm going into that town. He said, what are your plans? He said, I'm going to take a hundred people today. The man ran into town as fast as he could. He wanted to warn everybody that he could, and he told all that he could as fast as he could. The next morning, the man saw in the paper that 1,000 had died the day before. He encountered death on the road again that day. He said, what happened? Explain it to me. You told me there were only going to be 100. You were only going to take 100 people from that town. Why did 1,000 die? Death said, I kept my word. I took 100 people. Worry took the rest. That's the way our health is. You can read statistics all day. Mayo Clinic, who knows a few things about health, I think, estimates that between 80 and 85% of their total caseload is directly related to worry and anxiety. 
80%. Experts say that coping with stress is the number one health problem in the country. One physician estimated that 70% of all of his patients could cure themselves if they'd get rid of worry. Heart attacks, high blood pressure, ulcers, migraines, where they come from. I read one estimate that said 112 million Americans take some kind of medication for stress-related symptoms. Why did the one who wants us to live an abundant life say, don't worry? Do not worry. Because he wants us to live an abundant life. The rest of our life, good relationships are a vital part of an abundant life. Let me ask you this. How many of you really enjoy, I mean just love, being around somebody who's a negative Nelly and a worry wart and who lives in gloom and doom and frets about the worst possible outcome both real and imagined? How many of you really like that? Nobody does. Well, if you're one of those worry warts, guess why people don't invite you over? Guess why they don't call you up just to chat for a while? It destroys relationships. We don't want to be around those kind of people. It messes everything up. And beyond just relationships, friend-type relationships, let me tell you something else. If you go to work or school or wherever you go and worry all the time, I will guarantee you that not one soul that you ever run into, I don't care if you can quote the New Testament backwards to them, not one soul will ever suspect that you serve a great God. Worry just ruins our influence. Worry ruins our health. It ruins our relationships. That's what's wrong with worry. So uh, let's get practical. Uh, the, the series is intended to be practical. So you make a list of worries. Well, not now. Go home and do it. I don't have time for you to do it now. Go home and make your list as long as you want. All the things that you have to worry about. And while you're thinking about that, let's have a short course on how to eliminate worry. Okay. Here's how we're going to start. Your list might be 10 items, 100 items, 1,000, I don't care. But it's, it's too big to handle all at once. So what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to pick two. We're going to start with just two things that we're going to stop worrying about. This is our short course. Okay, the first one is stop worrying about things that you can't change. Okay, no need to worry about those. So just stop. Okay, if you're worried about the planets colliding... You can't change it. The UN budget really upsets you. You can't change it. If you're worried about how long the sermon's going to be, <laughs> quit worrying. All the things in your life that you cannot change. What's the weather going to be next Saturday? You can worry all you want, but you're not going to change it. Okay, so anything that falls into that category that you just can't change, just ask yourself, can I do anything about this? If the answer is no, then do not waste another microvolt of brain energy thinking about it. Just stop. It's a waste. So stop worrying about what you can't change. And the second one is stop worrying 
about the things you can change. That's the only two things you've got to stop worrying about. You understand why? It's simple, really. If you can change it, well, then do something. Don't worry. Do something. Take action. If you're worried about that test that you got next week in school, start studying. Don't worry. Just study. If you're worried about your weight, diet, exercise, do something. If you're worried about your bills, stop spending so much. Get another job. Get a financial counselor. Make a budget. Do something. If you can change it, do something about it. You ever have the experience of laying in bed and you get you cold? And you know that there's a blanket about six feet away over there in that closet. <laughs> you know? And you're cold, but it's going to be colder if you get out of bed. You know? So you lay there and you can't sleep worrying about it. How silly is that? Some of you have done that. I can't believe it. I know enough to do something about it. I say, honey, would you get me that extra blanket? <laughs> if you <laughs> just stop worrying about things you can't change or things you can change, and you're on your way to getting ready to worry. Now, remember how we said it's all in your head? Okay, that's our second step is Jesus said in John 14, 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Worry is totally in our heads. Our first sermon this year was, it's it's all in our heads. Worry is totally in our heads. We control what we set our mind on. So don't let worry in. Recognize it, just like we talked about last week. Recognize, pull it out, hold it up, declare, this is worry, this is sin, and I will not have anything to do with it. I'm on to something else. No place for it in my life. So don't let it happen, just stop it. And Paul explained the alternative, what you do beyond that in our third step. Let's read Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. Paul said to the Philippian church, do not be anxious about anything. That's anything. That's your list. See, he cut it down to one. I said things you can't change and things you can change. I had, my list was twice too long. Paul just said anything. Don't be anxious about it. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You want to know how it works? I don't know. It transcends understanding. It's just a guarantee. Whatever you've got to be anxious about, whatever's on your list, take it to prayer. Take it in prayer to God with thanksgiving for the re- all of your life that you can think of. Present it to God, and his peace will guard your heart. He'll take that worry out of there. Years ago, The story is told that in the pioneer days of aviation, a pilot was making a record endurance flight in a small plane. He had carefully planned stops every four hours. And in one flight, two hours from his last landing field and two hours before the next island that he could land on, he heard a noise back in his plane. 
He listened carefully and it continued and he finally recognized it and he believed that it was the gnawing of a rat. He realized that the rat was gnawing on something. Maybe a vital control cable. Maybe something else that helped him control the plane. It could mean his death. He didn't know what to do. He couldn't turn back. It was two hours back. Two hours to the next place. He couldn't land. So he thought and thought and finally it occurred to him. He remembered that the rat is a rodent. Rodents designed to live on earth, on ground or underground. Not up in the air. So he began to climb. He flew a thousand feet higher and then a thousand feet higher and then another and another until the oxygen got thinner and thinner. And he continued up until finally the gnawing stopped. When he landed, they opened the hatches and a dead rat rolled out. Worry is a rat. It cannot live in the place of the Most High. It can't. It cannot breathe in the atmosphere of faith. Worry dies when we ascend to the Lord through prayer. That's what Paul says. Take it to God in prayer. Get up there with him. Worry will die. You'll choke it out. You'll strangle it. Remember when Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He also made clear that whoever hears and puts into practice is a wise person. One of our themes this year, you get to hear and do. Some of you told me last week, I like that sermon. Some of you said, I've got something particular I need to work on. Let me follow up seven days later. If your particular sin is exactly the same as it was seven days ago, then you heard and you did not do. Because it was a guaranteed plan I gave you. All you had to do was work the plan and that sin would begin to die. It would begin to be choked out of your life. If there's been absolutely no change, then you have heard and not done. God said, if you hear and put it into practice, it's like a wise man. Worry has no place in a Christian's life. It is stealing, it is killing, it is destroying some people's abundant life. It cripples our relationship with God, cripples our relationship with others, it makes us sick, it distracts us from the work and joy of being a child of God. He wants you to live an abundant life. Some of you still don't believe that the top level, the abundant life is for you, but some of you. Some of you are taking Jesus at his word. That's really what he came for. And if that's what he came for, then I'm going to claim it. Some of you have a particular problem with worry. Well, that needs to change, folks, if you want to live an abundant life. This one, of all the things we'll look at, is probably more curable in your head than the rest of them that we're going to talk about. Yes, it is, because it's controlled there. You're the one that has to set your mind on what it spends time on. Once your mind is set, just work the plan. Don't worry about things you can change. Don't worry about things you can't change. 
Take it to God in prayer. And one day you'll realize, just like we said last week, things are really better. I'm smiling more and I'm enjoying life more and I feel better physically and I have more friends and I have better relationships. The Spirit will do that in your life. The the Spirit is ready to work in your life as soon as you get to work and begin living by faith. So let's sing that song together. If we can help you as the family of God in this place, we invite you to come.